You're listening to Roar the Podcast, the cyber resilience podcast for all existing and aspiring cyber professionals, putting the spotlight on the vital role that people and culture play in making organizations cyber safe. Resilient and cyber savvy people are an organization's strongest defense against cyber crime. I am your host, Marilise de Villiers. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Raw, the podcast. I'm so delighted today to be joined by Jenny, Jenny Ratcliffe, um, also known as the People Hacker. Welcome, Jenny. Oh, <laughs> hi, thank you so much for having me, Marilise. It's lovely to be here. Thank you so much. And uh, I know that you have um, really, um, thank you so much so much for making the time, because I know you're a very, very, very busy woman. Oh, no, no, I was looking uh, forward to it. I'm sorry, we had to cancel once or twice because of COVID yeah. and other things. So I'm yes, glad you could do it today. I've been looking forward to this for literally four months. So let me tell you a little bit about Jen, Jenny. Uh, I mean, she's a bit of a rock star in our industry and uh, love, love, love her. And, um, you know, she's just incredible, world-renowned uh, social engineer, multiple TEDx contributor, sought-after keynote speaker and go-to guest expert on the human element of security scams, cons, and hacks. And I'm sure we'll hear a few very interesting stories today. Um, she's appeared on numerous television and radio shows, as well as online media and traditional press outlets. Her prestigious list of accolades includes top 25 most inspiring women in cyber uh, in 2020, the Godmother of Security Award. I was nominated. I didn't win it. I was nominated. <laughs> okay, I was glad I was well. nominated. <laughs> Brilliant. And then most recently, Women of Influence and Top 30 Cybersecurity Leader. And of course, also the award-winning podcast host of The Human Factor. Mm-hmm. So Jenny, tell us about you. Tell us what, what, what lights you up, what, get, what gets you out of bed in the mornings. <laughs> oh, so, I mean, I suppose it's what gets me out of bed in the morning. God, lots and lots of work. I mean, you know, by now I was hoping I could take it easy, but we're not really at the stage where we can retire. Um, you know, human-based fraud, scams, malicious social engineering is, is just at the highest levels it's ever been, uh, according to most reports. Um, and so what gets me up is the fact that there's a lot of work to be done. We still need to get the word out there. We've got clients that need help in. Um, and it's a lot of fun to do it. You know, a lot of the job is, is great fun. Uh, I have a great time. And I meet great people. So it's not difficult to get out of bed in the mornings. Most days, mostly there's a lot to get up for. In fact, I wish I didn't oh, have to sleep. Genuinely, I well. wish I didn't have to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> And then, um, and then we wonder what will happen if we don't sleep. Yes. <laughs> so, listen, you, um, you've, you're famous for um, breaking into places mm. in very mysterious ways. And I was wondering if you could share uh, with our listeners a bit of a, a, a James Bond kind of story. <laughs> People always ask me about this. They always think it's very James Bond, and 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 often it's not. You know, often it's just very simple ways through. You know, I was never technical enough to to kind of hack uh, alarms that way although I had people with me who did and I was never really you know I wasn't like super fit you know like this is why I fall off roofs and things because I climb up but I I was kind of chubby and uncoordinated and used to fall off so I mean you you know there there was an awful lot of, of that I think and I think 
that's probably why it's caught people's attention because they can tell I'm not James Bond. You know, I'm an ordinary person. Who, who, but I do see ways in, I think, that other people perhaps don't. And, and I mean, I'm just, you know, I knew that you'd want a story and I was trying to think of one. And it's actually quite difficult. I mean, th- there was one place where it wasn't too long ago where you had to get through and try. We, the remit was to get in and see what we could do. It wasn't specific. Sometimes... Clients are very specific. We want you to get into this place or we want you to get into that location. And other times it's more like, see what you can do, see if you can get in. Um, and it was quite it was quite open, the site, but to get, you could get in, but you couldn't get behind the scenes. Um, and eventually, after a long time trying to do surveillance and trying to work out what we're going to do, we sort of didn't have much chance to really plan anything. It was just like everything we tried was shut down. But I did see the door of the canteen open. And so it was, I can't say exactly where it was, but it was a time when there wasn't many people in the building, but the canteen was open. There was no one in it. So I actually went in and put on one of the uniforms and it stank. It was like a dirty uniform. It was a dirty uniform that was somebody who obviously operated a grill and had done a couple of shifts in it. And I had to put that on and kind of I got in that way because I look like one of the uh, one of the food team. But I remember thinking, oh, you know, God. And before I put it back, I got it laundered, which I thought was quite funny because they're going to come in on Monday and think, God, this is this this, this is rather fresh. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it, there's lots of ways we've been in and out of things. It's hard for me to tell you all of them, Marilise, because there's it's- a lot coming up in the book. And now oh. I'm less free to talk about them until the book comes out. So, Brilliant. Oh, so tell us a little bit about the book. So it's an uh, autobiography. Um, it was commissioned by a large publishing house and it will be out next year. Brilliant. And I can't say anything else until the pre-publicity. Of course. And that's oh, that's amazing. I, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. And, uh, you know, I've, um, I've watched you do a keynote. Um, I've watched you do a keynote uh, a bit um, at the um, Women in Cybersecurity Awards last year. And um, you've just landed back from, was it Abu Dhabi? And Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Saudi. Sorry. And we Saudi. had like six hours to get me a positive, uh, a negative COVID test and get me to those awards. I was still on. Real time, I think. Um, but I was really inspired by that keynote, and I think one of the one of the reasons I wanted to chat to you today was really about. Obviously, you are a very, very um, inspirational female role model oh, in the industry, you. and we have um, we have few few women in the industry. I think it's it's improving, it's getting better, but I think it's still a tough industry for women to access and then. Um, stay in mm-hmm. um because because we're we're in an environment that's not always that conducive and so it's it's for me and a lot of my work is about helping women and and men but strengthening our resilience muscle you know strengthening that mm-hmm. ability to cope in an environment that is just really naturally very tough because we're dealing with crises every day sure. and so i'm really quite keen to hear your perspectives on where you see the industry at and, and what um, what advice you will give for specifically women in the industry or people in general that might be struggling? Well, it, it is a tough industry. All industries tough if you want to do well. 
you know, if you really want to be the best that you can be, I think it's a, I think it requires hard work and, and, and being tough and resilient and resilience is certainly something that I would like to think I have cultivated and, and have, have exhibited over my career. Um, as a woman, I, I mean, you know, I'd say one of the things that helped me, although I never saw it at the time, was the fact that I was always kind of underestimated. And I'm underestimated even now sometimes, which is which is quite, it's almost funny now, but like at the time it wasn't. I will give you an example. I was at a cyber conference in London before I was really well known in the industry at all. Um, but someone did know that I was a social engineer and they introduced me to a famous male social engineer at this event. And they said, this is Jenny, have you met her? And he kind of just sort of went, no. And they said, oh, she does what you do. And he looks at me and kind of went, really? Really? And I never forgot that that was the case. I always thought, and it made me laugh because at the time. So on the one hand, I was insulted, but on the other hand, it makes me laugh because I thought, but that you've just shown me exactly how to get to you, that you don't think that I can do your job means I can get to you, right? Mm-hmm. So, so the, I think when things like that happen, you do have to see it as an opportunity Uh you have to say, oh, now you've just given me an invitation to kind of show you what I can do. So so the, I was always underestimated, I think. And as I say, I still am sometimes, which is quite funny. Um, and, and the other thing I would say uh, about the female question, this question about being a woman in the industry, I think I'm expected to play nicely because I'm a woman. I think people expect me to behave and um, be polite Um and kind of say, well, you know, someone's been really horrible to me, but I'm going to be a lady or something, you know, and, and not kind of not call it out and, and and play nicely. And I just won't. And I think that's really, it, I just won't accept it. I just don't. I, I either cut people off or I let them know that I don't accept it. And I think it's there's a there's a certain amount of privilege comes to that because of my age and my background and where I am in the industry. But I, my advice would be, you, you know, you have to have your standards and your values. And when people don't meet them, um, yeah, I think you should call it out because you can only be as good as the people you surround yourself with in some ways. Uh, and so when 100%. people don't live up to it, I, I cut them off, but then I'm very tough. Um, you know, and I, particularly apply that to other women in the business so other women in the business uh, I have high expectations of because we need to be very good uh, and support each other yeah. you know yeah. I mean I absolutely love that and I love the advice around being really clear about your boundaries I think that's what I'm yeah. hearing when you when you um in conversation with people the way people treat you the way you treat others it's always with that you know, open mind, a positive regard, but there's a clear boundary. And I think, you know, I, I sometimes talk about sort of there's invisible boundaries as well, you know, the boundaries that we don't see, you know, and a lot of the work that I do around personal resilience is about, you know, crossing that mm. boundary inside of you where you step into your courage to roar, to speak your truth. And I think that's what you're describing is to say, you know, when you don't agree with something, when you're not happy with something, you will say it. And um, it's, it's, it's cultivating that mu- that muscle to be able to yes. do that. And then, of course, it's, of course, also then the, the boundary, which, you know, is about the, 
you know, the physical boundaries, which we also have to deal with on a day to day basis. So mm. I think there's, but, but I very much like to focus on that invisible boundary. And of course, protecting us from the bad guys, if you think about cyber criminals and cyber crime, those are all invisible boundaries that, you know, people, people cross daily. Absolutely. And um, I just, and yeah. I just think, you know, you're right it is a muscle because it's very uncomfortable to say actually no no that's I'm not comfortable with that we're not going there you seem for women women are called out as being difficult for doing that I've been asked am I difficult and the answer I gave wasn't really the answer I wanted to give you know because the answer is I hope so and if I'm not I'm going to work really hard to be as difficult as possible if that's what's required but I don't apologise for it, you know, <laughs> I just don't. Yeah, it's it's such great advice. And I think, you know, we all learn, we all learn. And I, I think I've learned the hard way. I think, you know, that point that you've made around being un- made about being underestimated, I could so resonate with that because I came into the industry with a very, you know, generic, uh, general, non-technical background. So it was very much also this perception or this, you know, people were looking down on you because they, they don't think you're technical enough. You never make it in the industry because you're not technical enough. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and, of course, my in my situation, I wasn't tough and I started believing them. And that that then resulted in a situation where I got to burn out and I had to step away and I had to pick myself up, you know. So I think I've learned my lesson the hard way, mm. but it is absolutely you looking inside and having that inner inner strength and that inner resilience and that inner confidence to to stand up for yourself absolutely very very important so yeah so I think you um you know you shared some really great advice and and I, and I loved how you were sort of um talking it talking about it from the perspective of being a, a an entrepreneur being mm. a founder and a CEO of your own business because I mean that in itself is next level right <laughs> um it's one thing to work for an organization yes. but it's another thing to be a founder and, and and CEO and I think you know for me it's um it's really some some of the things that you've shared particularly at that evening around um you know um what you know what you have um learn through the years and and I think there were two for there were six six points that you shared yes um I absolutely loved them I, I wrote them all down as, yes, as you so know. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like oh we have to share this with more people okay so, yeah <laughs> Would you? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I know. Why don't we? Why don't you to ask me, and then I've got some notes. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So the first one um, was about that you having to do the work. Yes. Yeah. And what I mean by that is you can't. I mean, it's in some ways there's no need to elaborate. It's you just have to work hard to, to be successful. I think success that comes without hard work doesn't taste as sweet, you know. But uh, but also you can't you can't get to certain places i think there's a i think we live in a society that 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 shows that if you take some good photographs and you get some followers on instagram or whatever that you you know you considered successful but i think that aside from sort of the fashion industry or or, or sort of celebrities it's not really like that you can't be successful by reading a couple of articles and sort of plagiarizing a few quotes you know you really have to put the hours in um and 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 almost to think of you know, don't promote a bag of fresh air, right? Don't promote nothing. You've got to have, mm-hmm. think to yourself, well, if I was to stop tomorrow, what, would, what wouldn't what would be there 
for people. What use is everything I do? Um, and so I, that, that that's kind of like the philosophy behind everything that, that we do at Hemofata and everything I do personally. But I have some actual practical tips because I knew you were going to ask me this. And I've got three yeah. things that I do, which I don't know if it's helpful, but this is how I look at it. So the first thing I always say is you, you, you should be productive early. And that means you have to be up early. Um, and that means you need a good night's sleep. And that means you can't put poison into your body. You can't drink too much. You can't smoke too much. You have to rest. You have to eat well. Um, because one of the things that we're going to talk about, well, that you'd ask me later, but it's related is you, you can't, I've worked very hard to the point where you nearly burn out or where I've almost burnt out. Um, and you can't do it. You've got to look after yourself physically in order to be productive. But be productive early. Get the, get stuff done before the day really starts. So I tend to be up at five um, and I tend to get an awful lot done before nine. And then the day starts with everyone else gets up and does things. So be productive early. And also, Marilee, is the other thing I always tell people, and I tell everyone who ever works with me is anything little that comes up, any small thing, anything that can be done in less than five minutes, do it straight away. Otherwise, you end up with this huge list of little bits that will take you a morning to clear. So if something comes up and I can do it in five minutes, I do it straight away. And I do the hardest things first. So the thing that I hate to do the most will be the thing I try and do straight away. And the last thing I would say, and someone told me this, and I can't remember who it was who told me it for the life of me, whether I read it or whether someone told me. But I have three things every day. And I do them. So I write three tasks and I make sure that those three things are done. And I mean proper tasks. I don't mean, you know, make a coffee, send three emails. I mean, you know, you need to do this, this and this. And that's it. Yeah. But what it does is it prioritises you and it makes you productive. And I think the problem is, is if, you, if you're not productive early and you don't get on with things, you, you don't feel like you're moving forward and you can get into that place where you're beating yourself up for being behind and not getting on with things so it's a discipline yeah, yeah. so that, that's my do the work advice <laughs> love I love that and you know you you, you sort of hit, hit a bit of a nerve there because I am uh, yesterday I was in the middle of I'm writing a chapter for a book at the moment and struggling and my husband was asking me just to make a quick payment for my son's school um, <clears throat> and it was literally one of those less than five minute tasks but at that moment, I was just like, I can't do this now. I don't have time. I am mm. stressed out. And then I just went in and I did it. And it took me one minute and it was done. Yeah. Because I knew exactly what you said. I knew that if I put that on my list, it would, would still not be done. Because the list today. is huge, right? I've had lists, three 100%. or four pages of yeah. A4 list, to-do list. Yeah. Three yeah. things. Yeah. And if it's small, it doesn't even make the list because it's done. That's yeah. what I'd say. Brilliant. Brilliant. I love the second one. <laughs> know who you are mm. Mm. and when you say that I um I think always think about the Lion King in the movie where Mufasa is in heaven and he comes down from heaven and he say to Simba remember Simba remember who you are <laughs> <laughs> I love that yeah I mean I mean I, I I just think you you have to you you have to kind of be the person that you are you don't try and be someone else you know, I see a lot of people you know who are doing this one week and this the next month and, and and we're great at this and this is my interest you know know professionally anyway what you were going to be and 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 kind of find your lane and get in it 
so I've got a lot of things to add in, lots of different sort of specialisms. But fundamentally, if you book me to speak, I'm booking about social engineering. And that's what I'm going to talk about. And I think people are just too attracted by the next shiny thing. Well, I'd love to be good at this. I'd love to be good at that. I'd love to be good at lots of things, but I'm not. I'm good at what I am because I focus on that and I pick my lane. I know who I am. Um, and I and and I and I say if something is lacking, then you either work on it, you accept that it's not you, and you let it go, uh, or you find someone else to do it. You either do it yourself, you find someone else, or you forget about it. But what you don't do is say, "I'm this and this and this, and I'm an expert on that and that and this and this," because nobody is. Yeah, I've met a lot of people in my time, and the number of real polymaths I've met is zero. So no, know who you uh, are. Don't kid yourself. Yeah, and I, and I can really resonate with that because I think sometimes you think you've got to serve everyone and then, of course, you serve no one no. because it is who who is that person that you're speaking to, who is that person that you help. It comes, to, comes back to your earlier point about, you know, if you go away, what is people going to miss? You know, what is the value that you add mm. every single day? And really, you know, laser, laser sharp focus on that. I love that. Uh, take risks. The third one. <laughs> well, it is me. I mean, we've talked about that a little bit already, right? I mean, and so what I don't mean is is you know jump, you know, physical, physically putting yourself in danger. Um, I mean psychological risk, and I mean professional risk. I think you have to you have to sometimes say that's I'm not you, you shouldn't take things on that you can't do especially in security because if we start saying to people that we can do something that we actually are not got the expertise to do then you're going to end up uh, letting a client down and that can be very serious but I do think that what you have to do is say if you if you feel that you that you can do something but it frightens you you should do it you should say yes and you should try and find a way of doing these things and improving. It's the only way that we improve. So I do say take risks. What I see is a lot of people who actually play it very safe professionally and psychologically, but kind of fill the gap with other risks, like physical risks or whatever, uh, or, or um, risks with their health. And I think that, and I think that's something that we need to get a grip of. You should stretch yourself. Um, but that means embracing things that you find difficult that are going to take a lot of effort, but will stretch you professionally. And that's what I mean. I, yeah. that's, I don't know if I'm clear on that. But. 100%. I think you, you are. And I think what, what I'm hearing it really is that, you know, it's, it's, it's again, it's that conversation with yourself and, 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 and almost like having that healthy relationship with fear and recognizing that professionally, if that fear comes up, it's actually a good thing because it actually shows you that your goals and your dreams and your objectives are big enough. So you have to pass a threshold, but as you say, not to the detriment of your own physical health. And I think that's or where... Or to the clients, right? So what you clients, can't do exactly. is say, yes, we know how to do this or I'm an expert in something and then you're not. Because that's exactly. fraud, actually, but not just that. It's it's dangerous for people. So we're not yeah, in a business absolutely. where it's I, what I always say, Marlise, is if we were in if we were chefs and we were lying about how good we were at cooking, the worst that happens is someone gets a bad meal. But we're not. It's security, and and if we exaggerate our capabilities, 
people can be hurt. They can lose money, identity, or even worse. So it's very important that we don't overpromise and underdeliver. But what I'm saying is, if there's an opportunity uh, to stretch ourselves professionally, you definitely should do it. Mm. Love it, love it, love it. So um, you won't achieve, and I think we've spoken a little bit about this already, but you won't achieve anything on an empty bag. So those practical tips you've given earlier about, you know, mm. sleep and your productivity and related to good eating and drinking habits. And rest, you know. So I, I, don't, I don't work in the same way a lot of my uh, friends and colleagues who, who are in similar positions to me. So the way that I work is I take a long break in the summer. So I, and I take lots of um, rest because when I'm working, I tend to work a very long day and I tend to work back to back. So I just make sure that there's always gas in the tank, by which I mean I'm rested. I rest when I can. I eat well when I can because I know that when I get onto a job, I'm probably going to eat crap because there's times when you just you're grabbing fries or something, if anything. So you're eating badly. Um, and you're probably drinking because you finish a job and everyone wants a few drinks and there's adrenaline and everything. So what I'm saying is, is I make sure that there's a balance. Um, I wouldn't say that I had a particularly marvellous work-life balance. It's definitely more work than life sometimes. But when I'm off, I'm off, you know, and I'm, 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 and I'm resting. You can't be as good as you can possibly be if there's no gas in the tank. You just can't. So you need to rest and do it and for me so much is about my brain and what I can think of and the kind of like putting together the jobs and the heists and everything that we do I know that my brain needs to be hydrated and rested and functioning well and the older I get the more difficult it is to achieve that so I have to put a lot into it you know have to got you have to have gas in the tank gas in the that. tank yeah love that so we, I always say you can't pour from an empty cup no, um, and you have to you have to really um, and that's that's one of the key lessons that I learned was around prioritizing me on my list of priorities because I usually always prioritize everybody else and then maybe maybe I was an afterthought if anything you know I if if, if I even featured on my list you know and I mm. think we have to it's not a selfish thing it's a necessary thing self care is not optional it's a it's an absolute must it's, it's so, so hard so for necessary. women to do it though i i, I think i think for women um, particularly but just for everyone it's so hard to say no i need to take some rest mm-hmm. i'm going to kind of think about myself now i mean people ask me if i've got hobbies and the answer's no i th- are you mad who's got time for a hobby and i still feel like that <laughs> So, you know, it's not that, like, I'm great at it, but I do take rest. And then and when then I, I come think, back to work, mega productive. Yes. And I think what helps, I think what, what certainly from my perspective, what I see with you is, is the passion, the passion that you have for what you do. Um, mm. And so it's almost like you, you don't need that hobby to have that outlet because you are so closely aligned, mm. you know, with, with your purpose and, and, and what you really enjoy and what you really love. Yeah, and because and part of the job, encump- you know, encompasses a lot of things I enjoy. So, you know, I, tra- I'm, mm-hmm. I, I travel. I wouldn't say I was very lucky. I was going to say I'm lucky enough to travel. I'm not lucky enough to travel. I worked, so I was able to travel. But uh, a lot of the job involves uh, me being in lovely places, you know. So I've just been, I've been, the last 10 weeks I've been on the road, all over the States and Europe, the Med, 
all with work, all um, with days built in. So what I'll do is I'll do a few days of a job and then I'll take a couple, if I'm in a nice place, I'll take a couple of days to rest, but I'll rest in situ. <laughs> so like I was in, uh, I was in Crete, I was in Marbella, I was in Florida, I was in Vegas. So I was all over the place, but it was work and then some rest. Um, and so, so some of the hobbies are there. And also one of the hobbies is my network now is global of colleagues and clients who've become friends and friends because of the industry is so global that I can always look someone up and go for a coffee or a beer with them. And that's just so lovely that I can be anywhere in the world almost now and do that. And that's a, that's the cyber industry. I love our industry for that aspect. Absolutely agree. And um, always say you make, you make your own luck. So I'm really glad you, you, you self-corrected there. Yeah. I'm not lucky to do it. I made you, you sure made, that you I made, would get, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. And hundred percent. And that I think ties in nicely with you've got to do the work. You have to do the work. <laughs> Just it doesn't just fall in anybody's lap. Mm. Um, Jeff Jeff Bezos, I think, famously said that it took him ten years to become an overnight success. Mm. You know, yeah. um, so so that's so true. I, I've had people say to me, "Oh, you've come from nowhere," and I think you know, you suddenly you were everywhere, and I think that's so funny because that couldn't be less true. You know, it was a small, small steps, constantly pushing and pushing and pushing for it for it's years, decades. Yes. And, and and that's the thing, it's decades. But you can turn decades into days by doing the work, you, by doing the work every day and, and consistently showing up and also coming up, up to the next point, which is number five, which is about finding your team. Mm. Um, ha, ha, talk, talk to us about that. Well, yeah, the trouble is, I, what I've, and I can only speak from my own experience, but the problem is, is once you start being successful, once you're good at something, it's, it's magnetic to people, right? Because most people are lovely and they're interested in, you know, oh, that, that seems interesting or you're an interesting person or that part, your job sort of uh, segues into my job. So they want to be around you and you become kind of quite magnetic is, is probably the best word. Love but there time. are times when that could go to your head uh, or when people say all the right things but are actually have only got self-interest at heart. Um, and it takes a while, I think, again, as you said earlier, it takes, it's a muscle that it takes a while for you to, to recognize it. And even for me, someone who profiles people all the time and, you know, looks into people's souls for a living, it takes a while sometimes to realize that someone is just not a good person and just as self, has got self-interest at heart. Um, and so what I found for me is there's a, I have a core team of people I have a lot of mentors almost none of which anyone in the industry would know I'm not interested in being known um but I go to the different people for different advice so I have a guy who was a sales director for a huge tech company for many years um and I go to him for business advice uh, I've got a few people like that but him is for sales and business advice and then I have this core team of people and they are the people who think I'm great support me understand me think what I do is great but the last thing that they will do is tell me I'm great if I'm doing something wrong so they're there for reassurance but it's never sycophantic and if I and if I'm going to make the wrong decision they are the people who say to me no you need to stop or pull back or you know and that you've I think you have to surround yourself with people who are not the same as you don't have the same outlook as you 
will support you, but will tell you when you're wrong. And will tell you straight away when you're wrong without taking offence. And I found that to be very important. Most of the work I do, I do on my own. So I do put crew together. I do have teams for different things and I have lots of connections. But generally speaking, I work alone. The talks are a solo endeavours. And even, I'd say, more than half of the physical infiltrations I'll do on my own, but with a remote team or a driver and a remote team. So it's very important that I don't just listen to me. I have to listen to other people. And it's very important that those people are not all in the industry because the industry is an echo chamber. It's got factions. It's got cliques. It's got, uh, you know, subdivisions. And whilst overall it's a nice place, I think, and it's given me lots of opportunities, you need people to look at it and go, you're just an industry as well. You know, it's just another type of industry. You guys just think it's more than that. It's important for that because I think otherwise it's easy to get lost and caught up in the fact that we're all friends. You know, there's got loads of friends and loads of connections. From a business point of view as well as a personal point of view, you need people outside the industry. And that's what I have. Now that's when I'm lucky. That's luck, I think. That I did meet the right people and I recognised it quickly and and still go to them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it is that sort of ability to recognise when when someone brings something that that can balance you out and that you don't necessarily have. And and oftentimes as you say, it's a perspective outside the industry which yeah. is so incredibly incredibly important. I totally, totally agree with you. And um, and it's 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 also having role models um, and, yeah. and role modeling success, right? So, um, have have you got any particular role models that you look up to? But uh, private individuals, as I say, so a lot of my mentors right. uh, and some of my clients, and again, I can't really say who they are, but I've got some clients who everyone would know if I if I was to say who they were, um, and they teach me a lot about, like you say, about resilience and about a work ethic. You know, a lot of the um, famous clients that, I, that I've that i either got now or have had in the past, uh, you see how hard they were to maintain that celebrity and to maintain that position um, or their company or their wealth or whatever. It, 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 and it's partly that that it, that it comes from. You, you can't be that good and maintain it without putting the work in. And, those, and that for me is... Is how is they're the people I would model. I would consider to be real models, um, and then there's people who are just kind. They were just nicer people than I am, and and than a lot of us are. Who just see the good in everything, um, and again, these are wouldn't be people that you would necessarily know, famous people. But I just think there's people who just see the good in everyone, and are just nice people. And for me to have done my job over the years. I lost some of that. You know, I had to be more cynical. I had to be tougher. And at some point I had to be almost ruthlessly tough. And I don't think, I don't think, I think it's hard to get that back once you lose it. But when I, but then I look at some people who I know who never lost that and were so lovely and that they're the people I, I, I aspire to be more like if I can. And it's just that ability to le- recalibrate, isn't it? Uh, sort yeah. of remind yourself, oh, that's wonderful. I love that. Final point is around problems, tomorrow's problems. So don't borrow problems from tomorrow. Don't borrow problems from tomorrow. This is a business advice, right? But it's business and personal. I had a habit of, of, and probably still do it a little bit, 
of going, but what if this, what if that happens? Well, you know, the sky can fall down tomorrow, can't it? We can be hit by a comet. We probably will be. It'll be in the news tomorrow. There'll be some comets. You must deal with what's on your plate now. And that's not to say we don't take a strategic view. But if you worry too much about whether that decision's going to go right or wrong or, you know, whether we should do something or how bad this could be, you'll be, it's paralysis, right? You'll just freeze. You absolutely be strategic in the decisions you make about your business and your personal life. But at the end of the day, you have to dare great. You have to just do it. And what I've found, and I said at the beginning is, you know, I'm older now. And what I've found is, almost everything is fixable, right? There's very few things in life, very few decisions that we make that cannot be corrected, amended, solved. Um, you, you mustn't catastrophize everything and, 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 and worry about what's going to happen next year or 10 years. Just be, you know, be sensible about your business, be sensible about your life. Uh, and then you need to kind of get on with it because, in the meantime, while you're worrying about it, life just happens. Most things, if you do the wrong thing, start again. Then, you know, if I, if everything ended tomorrow for me and for some reason or other, the whole of the security side of things was was wiped out and I couldn't do it, um, I'd take a week or two off and then I'd find something to do. You've got to just go, we can regenerate, we can do something else. And I think if you have that uh, perspective on life, then it's easy to take those risks and, and to do everything because actually most things aren't that important. And that comes from working in security as well. If it's not life and death, it's not life and death. Yeah, absolutely. So and and uh, mm. whilst you were talking, a few things come up for, came up for me, but, you know, one of the things was like, you know, no wonder Jenny is successful because she makes decisions quickly, you know, and I think, I think that's true. The world's most successful people, they make decisions quickly. They change those decisions slowly, but they fail fast, right? So you learn quickly as well. And, and what is failure? It's only feedback. It's just like, you know, a, a way to re readjust, change something, do something differently. But it's, it's very much if you don't try, I mean, you're certainly going to fail the first time. Well, not certainly, but, you know, there's a really good. good you'll get it wrong. That you will. You'll get yeah, things wrong. 100%. And you'll be embarrassed by it. I mean, I look at some of yeah. the early human factor podcasts and things and I just go, oh my God, you know, I was reading off a list and. You know, it wasn't as good, but nobody, nobody, the other thing is, and this is what I say when I give advice about public speaking as well is nobody, nobody except you reads all your reviews, right? You are the only person that reads all your reviews and takes that much notice of you. You just are, right? So just, you need to just get on with it and just, because otherwise you don't get anything done. You just, just get stuff done. And I'm not saying do things recklessly. I'm not saying don't weigh up the strategy and everything. Do all of that, you know. One of my degrees is in strategy. Strategy is very important. Thinking ahead is very important. But just be prepared for it to not work. Yeah. And on the job, when we talk about physical infiltrations, we call it tactical adaptation. You know, can you tactically adapt on 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 task and say, this isn't work, throw the whole thing out, no sunk cost regret, gone, right, new, there's a new set of circumstances now. That's a strength, and most people don't have it. I find. I think that's so so important, and I and I love what you said about that sort of quick quick reaction. I mean, you probably sometimes have to do it quite real time. Yes. When you're in a situation, you've got to literally think on your feet, right? And sometimes it goes wrong, and you have to 
plan B, plan C, plan D. But at the end of the day, if I, st- you know, if I, I would definitely fail if I went and hid and debated it for three hours. Such good advice. And um, yeah, love, love, love chatting to you. I can't believe our time has run out already. <laughs> um, Jenny, where can people find you? Well, uh, the website is humanfattersecurity.co.uk. I'm online as Jenny Radcliffe, the people hacker. Um, most of my updates are on uh, LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, you can see photographs usually of drinks and food of my adventures on Instagram. I tend to put those up there and awards or talks and shots from things like that from my travels go up there. Uh, and you can catch me uh, speaking live at many events, including this year, Infosec. So wherever you want to see me, you can usually find me, ironically. Wonderful. Well, I will probably see you at Infosec because I plan to be there. So um, that could be amazing. Cool. Well, listen, um, I think my favorite thing you said today was about um, the work hard, but also the rest. I think, you know, we we always think that we just got to graft and it's work hard, 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 hard all the time. But it's so important to take that rest in between and yep. to recuperate and just mm. to, you know, self-care. So important. <laughs> so, Jen, thank you so much. And fantastic. Uh, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in today. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you found today's episode useful and took away a few key points. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to get our latest episodes. To find out more, how we can help your organization strengthen its resilience muscle and find your raw, head over to marilise-der-villiers.com.